What's going on, everybody? First podcast that I've ever recorded. Let's see if this mic works. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Bargain bin, Amazon, mic. But you know what? We're still here. We're doing the thing. You made it here. You know? That, that counts for something. That counts for something. I appreciate Every single one of you that's listening, thank you so much for tuning in to the inaugural John Dudley Speaks podcast. Expect a lot more content. Expect a lot more. 2024, going to be bountiful when it comes to content. You know, I'm just going to be doing my own thing over here. I don't know why I said it like that. I don't, I don't usually talk like that, but when I'm recording myself, I get a little nervous because I feel like I'm going to end up sounding stupid and i've already done that so yeah we'll see how that goes we'll see how this goes uh yeah if my audio audio quality is bad just let me know i'll get a new mic it's no it's no big deal but uh yeah what's going on what's going on everybody um just to tee up what we're going to be doing today um if you haven't tuned in on jduds.substack.com uh, did a, a series on the MCU, six-part series. Uh, pretty, pretty proud of it, actually. Um, goes through a diff, you know, a lot of different subjects on the MCU, a lot of the hot-button issues uh, surrounding them right now. Um, but yeah, that's what we're going to be getting into today, the episode. Uh, just recapping that series. It's what I plan to do with a lot of my Substack series. So I'm going to do a recap on uh, on Substack podcasts, and then. You know, hopefully get that up to Spotify and uh, Apple Music as well. Um, so yeah, but first, first we're gonna go to uh, go to the news. Lots of news this week. Lots of it. Um, almost too much of it. So much news. Get that get that news out of my face. It's too much. Too much. Actually, I love it. I'm you know I'm always always on Twitter. Maybe maybe on Twitter too much. That's why I know about the news. All of the news. Starting with Marvel casting, you know, might as well start with Marvel since we're going to be talking about it today. Um, yeah, Stephen Yoon out as the Sentry. Uh, really surprising. Uh, I think he ended up deciding to do another project with the director of Minari. So uh, that's interesting. You know, I, I, I think I think he tends to do better in the dramatic roles anyway. So I don't think it's too big of a of a loss. Marvel, though I'm sure they'll get something else for him down the line. He said that he'd like to do um, a Marvel project, so we'll see what, how that goes. But um, yeah, I would have liked to see him as Sentry in Thunderbolts, though. I, I think he does comic book roles very in- interestingly. Like uh, he adds a, a nuance to uh, Invincible that I don't think would be there if uh, if it wasn't Stephen Yeun. Uh, and also, he was great in Nope and Beef. Like, Beef was probably the best performance of his career so far. So, um, yeah. Yeah, hopefully Marvel can find him something that really works. But uh, the other Marvel casting news that I saw is, uh, um, let's see, what is it? Uh, Kang. Yeah, Kang. That's right. Um, so Jonathan Majors, obviously, out. But th- that's old news. We all knew that was coming. Um, but... You know, the big question is, are they going to continue Kang? Or are we, you know, going to go straight to Doom? You know, I talk a lot about that in the MCU uh, series, Substack. But, um, but yeah, uh, Coleman Domingo, likely going to be tapped as the next Kang. Uh, I think this is an awesome decision, if, that, if that's true. Um, it would be such a fantastic get, considering, you know, he's he's a pretty distinguished actor. Um at this point, he's um, you know he's going to get an Oscar nomination for Rustin most likely, um, but you know nothing's confirmed yet. But um, you know I, I'd just like to see Fantastic Four get cast at some point, but it doesn't seem like that's happening anytime soon. But uh, moving on, a couple more things, and then we'll get into the episode. But um, yeah, Safety Bros, they're done. They split up. I saw, yeah, I saw uh, basically Benny Safdie that's continuing this conversation. And Benny, Benny's working with Nathan Fielder 
on the curse right now. So he's getting a lot of exposure, a lot of exposure. Um, but Benny and Josh are no longer doing the Adam Sandler uh, movie that they're going to do, uh, the follow-up to Uncut Gems. So uh, R.I.P. Safety Bros, I guess. I guess that's the last project we'll get from them. Uh, but I did see I did see a great tweet that was like, okay, who gets custody of Robert Pattinson now? <laughs> I think that's that's so that's so indicative of like, you know, of safety projects is like what's Robert Pattinson going to be doing? What weird thing is he going to be doing in the background? Uh, so uh, that's that's kind of a wait and see scenario. I I mean I can't see them not being involved together for something at some point down the line. So, um, you know, I'm sure it's difficult. I'm sure it's very difficult uh, having to part ways um, with somebody that you worked with for a long time. I know uh, when Joel and Ethan Cohen split, um, you know, that you, know, it, you, lose, you lose that unique singularity that you get from two minds coming together. So I'm really interested to see out of the two of them, which which one's gonna you know do something that's a little bit more you know out there and something that's a little bit more maybe mainstream you know it, it doesn't have to be those two things but it could be um, yeah should be interesting I feel like I'm saying that a lot should be interesting yeah it's a lot of speculation you just start the year of course there's gonna be a lot of speculation but you know what I'm not speculating about um, Best Buy physical media. Uh, yeah, we don't have to speculate because they already made a decision on this. They are removing all of the physical media at Best Buy. And I think that sucks. That just sucks. It's stupid. Especially, you know, after Oppenheimer, like the 4K editions and all that, like, you know, we, we saw them just selling out like crazy. Uh, you cannot get your hands on them. I bet you still can't get your hands on them. Um, yeah, it's just it's a little frustrating because you, you're you seeing such a boom in physical media again. And with all these streaming companies just basically forming cable again. Like in two years, it's basically just going to be, hey, you want this package of Max and Peacock and Apple TV Plus? Maybe not Apple TV Plus because they're they're actually good at what they do. But Disney Plus is terrible. Um, Disney Plus, all it has going for it really is um, just a few things here and there. I mean, I just saw they canceled that uh, Kiwi Kwan and um, Michelle Yeoh um, series that I didn't even know was on there. Uh, nobody, nobody knew. Um, gains no traction because Disney does not market their products um, well. Uh, I shouldn't say products. They don't market their content really well. They're treating them like products and that's why it's not marketed well. Not marketed like art. Um, but yeah, long story short, Best Buy, physical media, done. So, Best Buy done? Honestly? Mm, I don't know. Somebody said Circuit City is waiting for them in the tech graveyard, but um, Best Buy still got a lot to offer, I think. I haven't been there in a while. But I used to go there for physical media. So, this is uh, kind of stupid. I don't like it. I don't like it. But hey, moment you've all been waiting for. Let's, uh, let's move on from the news segment. Let's get into the episode. Start with um, the first post that I did on the Substack series uh, for the MCU. Part 1. End of an empire? With a question mark? Like Ron, I'm Ron Burgundy? Uh, <laughs> so how this is going to work? I got a topic wheel. Got three topics I want to touch on. Uh, for all six, um, all six entries into this series, and I'm just gonna hit a randomizer. Um, that topic wheel is gonna land on something, and it's gonna be a funny little subject hitting that you can uh, laugh at or cringe at because it might not be all that funny. Uh, and we'll just go from there. Uh, yeah, let's do this. Let's. Do I can't believe we're doing it. We're actually doing it. We're doing the whole podcast thing. No, I, I once was told that I have a face for radio, and uh, it really hurt my feelings because I thought it was an insult. So <laughs> I, have a fa I have a face for radio and a voice for radio, too, uh, apparently. 
But yeah, you're, you're not going to see my face until my YouTube. So uh, stay tuned for that. That's coming up soon. But hey, I spun the wheel and we hit number three on the wheel for part one. Um, yeah, let's do this. Here we go. Number three is CGY with a bunch of Ys. Um, yeah, so um, in the MCU Substack series, I talked I talked a lot about how um, CG artists are really spread thin, um, and I think you're really seeing that now, uh, especially in the later Marvel entries. But even going back to, um, you know post endgame levels like WandaVision and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, like the really early Disney Plus stuff, um, and the movies from that year, uh, you could even make a case that Spider-Man No Way Home doesn't have the best CG in it. Um, and, you know, I love that movie, but there, there are aspects of it where, like, the design and the, the animation, not the animation, but the CG just does, does not hold a candle to you know, just animation that's happening right now in the business. You know, you look at Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, you know, obviously a lot of behind-the-scenes drama when it comes to how, you know, computer-generated um, effects are being handled when these, um, these effects artists are being treated terribly. And obviously I'm not trying to get too much into that, but... Um, I do think it's a very big contributing factor as to why Marvel just looks comparatively really bad versus a lot of other blockbusters. And, you know, that's not to say that other Disney products, I said, better I, better I said it again. Well, they, they treat it like a product. So, yeah, um, <laughs> they treat it like a product. So I kind of have it in my mind as one. But Indiana Jones 5, um, not a great movie. It's fine, um, but that that whatever hundred million dollars that they spent on the de aging of Harrison Ford's face is just god awful. It's so bad. It looks so bad. And the thing is, we're getting to a point where it's looking like that for every single Disney release, every major Disney release. And um, you know, I think the last three years have really taught us that. Um, that we need patience when it comes to visualizing these things. Um, you know, with such a, a crazy amount of output, there, there's always bound to be rush timelines and overlapping timelines. So, um, you know, uh, when it comes to Marvel movies themselves, you know, we, we used to be on a schedule that was like three a year. And we're getting back to that schedule. But the thing is, there's so many being announced. So all the pre-production that's going into this is causing this pipeline to be clogged. So you got, you got CG artists that have no idea what they're going to be working on. You know, they, you, got, um, you got fight sequences that are in previs, but these fight sequences might have to be changed on the fly because nobody knows what the direction of the series is going to be, right? No one knows what the direction of the saga is going to be. And that's why this Jonathan Majors thing has really blown up everything. And I'm hoping that can be the big reset that they have all of these problems. But, um, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that the CGI problem is going to continue, but I, I don't think it's going to get progressive it, it, it might get progressively better but it's not going to be better overnight so i think we might see some cg problems where you know this effect looked really weird this stunt didn't look right like the you know maybe the animation here or the um or like the what it what is it like de-aging technology just looks crappy but maybe the rest of the show looks better or the rest of the movie looks better you know we'll see we'll see what happens but uh but yeah, uh, moving on, moving on to the next segment of the topic wheel, we got, uh, let's see, let's see what's up next. So I spun the wheel and we are at 
the Eras Tour. <laughs> the Eras Tour, yes. So I, I did on the Substack, I did go through all the different eras of the MCU. Um, you know, there's so much to, um, to annotate when it comes to the MCU. There's so much to, um, like, analyze, basically. And, and I went through and just, you know, talked through how phase one through three, and then now the phase that we're, the phases that we're in, um, how they differ from each other, like the strengths and weaknesses that they have. And um, I tried to condense that as much as possible, but um, I call this segment the eras tour because, you know, there are so many eras that we, that we have gotten to appreciate over the years. And I think it really contextualizes, um, really contextualizes the multifaceted universe that, that this is like how this is really unlike any other franchise that has ever hit screens, you know, for good reasons and bad reasons, of course. Uh, like, you know, if, if I were to start at Iron Man, you know, that is very much in a movie that is indicative of time that it's in, right? It is very much a 2000s, you know, war adjacent movie, it, but it happens to have superhero tilt to it um but as you like start to get bigger you you see the scope changing but also this like at the same time it's not like it's not like you look at captain america winter soldier and it's this supersized movie it is actually like a very astute political thriller um or like looking at thor ragnarok i've seen other content creators talk about how there's a very incisive uh, core to that movie thematically that um, th that Taika Waititi is using like his platform to uh, to tell a very political uh, sarcastic story that's very satirical and um, you know I, I feel like we we haven't been getting that kind of um, like lens basically we haven't been getting that that uh creator driven lens uh in quite some time maybe guardians of the galaxy 3 uh is a little bit more like the meta textual where it's a lot more inward looking on james gunn's own experience uh as um as a person you know as a uh like a you know a director that was fired and given another chance and then was shown how um you know shown how strong his found family was in real life so you see that on the screen a lot and i just don't feel like we're seeing too much of that it's a lot more homogenized um so i i think it's always really interesting to go back through those first three phases and talk about you know, the way the Russos did this is a lot more, you know, 70s political thriller or you know, a lot more All the President's Men. Um, or looking at Doctor Strange even has that Scott Derrickson um, haunting uh, gothic horror to it that I feel like, you know, Sam Raimi did the best that he could with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I really enjoy that movie, but... It is so hamstrung by all the other problems uh, with this universe is that, hey, we got to stop the movie uh, about an hour through so we can explain what's happening three movies from now, but you're not going to remember any of it. We just have to make sure that it's there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts on the different eras. It, it's, it helps to look back through, but um you know, speaking of eras, 2023 Marvel. Let's talk about that. Um, so Ant-Man, we're all in agreement, disappointment. Yeah, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> I mean, Jonathan Majors was great, but it's like, it, at what cost? You know, he's kind of, um, he's kind of overly theatrical in the movie, which, you know, he is the best performance of that movie. But I don't know, I just didn't see anything going anywhere. It's nothing... It's nothing that's like too interesting to the point where like we could, if we threw it all away right now, 
um, and you know, say Jonathan Majors wasn't convicted, say that he was innocent, um, still, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, and using Ant-Man to springboard, I, I think is just a terrible idea. And I think that audiences agreed with that. So, I mean, you look at the box office, um, I, I, I think that the reports about Ant-Man, you know, in Marvel's eyes being a banger, <laughs> I think that's actually what was said is like they thought they had a banger on their hands uh, and they were very surprised. Um, I think that shows a bigger problem is that they're not doing enough internal quality control uh, to recognize what's a banger and what's not. Because <laughs> if you if you have Ant-Man killing Kang at the end, spoiler alert, by the way, you haven't seen it. Don't go see it. Don't watch it. Don't, don't even give it the streams on Disney+. Plus. It's not great. Um, but if, um, if you have Ant-Man and the Wasp, you know, because she's a bit of a side note, and the Wasp, um, if you have them defeating Kang in his first full-fledged appearance, that's idiotic. That's, that's like, I, I, I don't understand. I still don't understand that move. I still don't understand. But I guess it's a blessing in disguise because uh, now they have a way to kind of write out Jonathan Majors as Kang and, you know, Loki kind of did that. So but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, Guardians 3 was also just, I, I can't say enough great things about Guardians 3. Fantastic film. Um, gripping way to, to discuss um, trauma and loss. Um, I think the way that, that James Gunn used the flashbacks, um, you know, the way he propulsively moved the story forward using those flashbacks was uh, really uh, just super impressive. And the fight scenes, the fight scenes, the color palette, you know, the purposefully withdrawn color palette compared to the first two movies. Um, you know, I love Chris Pratt in that role. I think his, his line read of the, you know, open the door you know <laughs> it is it's the you know the first f-bomb i think in mcu history and they nailed it they absolutely nailed it and one of my favorite lines i think that i've ever heard in an mcu movie because it's just delivered in such a um such a sarcastic like quippy way but not in the way that we've been accustomed to um with marvel it's just there's so much more sincerity with uh with uh james gunn um, and his ability to balance uh, a lot of different tones. Um, soundtrack is amazing too. I, I'm excited to see what he does with the DCU. He's going to do such a marvelous job. Not not pun intended. Didn't mean to didn't mean to say that, but kind of funny how that works out, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Moving on. 2023 Marvel movies. So last but not least, I think the only other one that we had was the Marvels and. Like, um, it's good. I like it. I like the Marvels. I, I think it gets way too much hate. It's so stupid. <laughs> Why? And it's because it's directed by a black woman, and it's because it stars three women. And, you know, it, it just, I think it goes to show that women have to work, like, a million times harder to get the same exact treatment when, you know, Indiana Jones bombed this year. The Flash bombed this year. Shazam, Aquaman, they all bombed. But no one's talking about James Wan. No one's talking about Jason Momoa. No one's talking about Zachary Levi or well, maybe they might with him because there are other reasons because he's just annoying. But um, no one's talking about, um, you know, no one's talking about like Michael Keaton being box office cancer, you know, but when it comes to the women, they're always pointing at Brie Larson as being this person that just doesn't know how to pull in an audience. I, I disagree. I think she is, you know, she's not, you know, terrific in this movie, but she does a good job. And um, considering that they gutted this movie and they, you know, edited the whole thing, they edited the, like, every single bit of it um, to tears. It's, it's kind of miraculous that it still ends up being as coherent as it is. And it's far from the 
worst MCU movie, like some people have been saying. Like, I, I would venture to say that it's it's definitely superior to Ant Man, um, all three of them. Um, you know, it's right up there with like the Iron Man threes and the Captain America First Avenger type uh, Marvel entries, like middle of the pack. Not not amazing movies, but good. You know, good time. And also like the the little flurkin thing that they did. I love that. I love that kind of stuff. Let Nia DaCosta do a lot more horror stuff if she's going to be, you know, asked to do these. But I, I, I don't see, I don't see her doing these all that much after this. Definitely not. Definitely not after how they treated her um, during the press tour. Uh, but yeah, end of an empire? Question mark. Um, I, I don't think it's the end. I, I said this in my 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 Substack. It, it's it's simple fixes that they need to make. Simple fixes up the chain when it comes to the movies, when it comes to getting people back in seats. Like Deadpool 3 is is going to be a hit. It's going to be a billion-dollar movie. I'm calling it right now. Uh, it's going to be hugely successful. Whether or not it's good or it's bad, it's going to be successful. Um, you have Hugh Jackman, who is like, he's he's like box office Viagra. <laughs> It's just like, and Ryan Gosling is also, or no, oh my God, Gosling. <laughs> we'll get to Gosling in a second. Ryan Reynolds is uh, is also that. Ryan Reynolds is is such a charming, like welcoming face, you know, when it comes to Hollywood for like the last twenty years. And um, Hugh Jackman literally has never had. Um, like a miss when it comes to the X-Men movies at the box office. People want to see what he's going to do with Wolverine because he's so good at it. And I, I think he's, I think he's crossed a billion alone in just his performances um, in the X-Men movies. Maybe, maybe 2 billion. I don't know. He's been in a lot of successful movies when it comes to those. Um, so he, it, it's far from box office kryptonite when it comes to, when it comes to that guy, but I'm, I'm going to move on. I am going to move on to uh, part two. When is too much way too much? Oh, I like that title. Very interesting. <laughs> All right, we're going to spin this wheel. Let's do this. See what topic we end up with first. All right. So first topic is going to be the Daredevil situation. Interesting. Um, yeah, so in, in the MCU Substack, I I discussed Charlie Cox coming back um, as Daredevil. Um, personally, I think the Netflix Daredevil series is probably the best thing that Marvel's ever done um, when it comes to like any MCU adjacent properties. I, I and now that it's it's been canonized now, so um, this Daredevil situation it, it's a couple months old. Things that are, that are going on with that, but. Um, you know, they, they fired everybody on Daredevil Born Again and they're redoing the whole show. Uh, apparently he didn't get his suit until the fourth episode. Uh, it was a lot more legal thriller based and not as much, you know, hyper violent, uh, fight scenes, which, you know, Netflix Daredevil was, you know, it was known for that kind of tone. Um, and I could definitely see there being band backlash if they went the route that they were going to because, um, you know, Charlie Cox's Daredevil um, and Vincent D'Onofrio's um, Kingpin, they're known for that gritty tone. And I, I think the way that Charlie has been presented to the new universe, these last two entries he's been in, like Spider-Man No Way Home, and then to a bigger extent, She-Hulk, uh, and then also... Wilson Fisk showing up in Hawkeye, there's a lot more levity to it that I feel like just doesn't fit their portrayals of the characters. Like they're still good at what they're doing and I really enjoy everything that they're doing, but it just doesn't fit. And I like this idea of doing a Marvel spotlight. Um, you know, just um, exploring different stories that could be um, that could be a lot more interesting if they're given free reign to do 
um, a little bit more extreme things. Like I, I think, you know, Disney is doing a great job in promoting. And I, I say this after I've been just completely dunking on Disney this entire podcast, but um, you know, D- Disney has been doing a great job marketing Echo um, by saying, you know, make sure you switch your settings to TVMA. Just making it kind of a flex that this is this is our first R-rated thing, and it deserves that kind of treatment because we're canonizing Netflix Daredevil, and we're going to make sure that we're making a, a show that is tonally, you know, parallel to that. Um, I think that's a good move. I think the Daredevil show itself, if it ends up following this tone, and we, we haven't watched Echo yet, it's not out yet. Um, but once once everybody does get a taste of that, and we have an idea of like what direction they're going, I think we'll we'll know what Daredevil is going to be like. Especially if you know you got the guys behind Loki season two, um, the directors. I believe it's uh, Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead. Um, I always switch their names up, so it might be the other way around. But um, you know, having those guys that are body horror experts, like they're very good at that. And they did a great job at, at Loki's tone setting. Um, I think you could see that coupled with, you know, the uh, showrunner, the Punisher is going to be running this Daredevil reboot. And um, I think you put all those minds together. There's no way that you don't get something that is provocative. There's no, there's no way you don't get something that's, that is tonally congruous to um, what we got before. And if they're trying to emulate things that we got before, but maybe add a new twist on it, that's how we handle this Daredevil situation. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I'm, I'm confident. I feel good about it. Um, my opinion on it is strong, strongly positive. So I'm going to spin that wheel. I'm going to move on. Uh, see what else we got here. So... Uh, this next segment is, this is great. Can't wait till it devolves completely in the sixth episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, Disney plus, oh, man, they need to stop doing the six episodes thing. They, they need to stop doing it. It's, uh, I think secret invasion was the last time that we're going to get something like that. Maybe Agatha, whatever it's called now, cause they changed the name four times. Um, they need to stop doing that. Um, just bottlenecking the narrative until it explodes in one episode is just a very lazy, uh, hackneyed way of writing that I don't think suits the the actual level of expertise that these writers that are being brought on uh, have. Um, and I, I think the writer strike actually proves that a lot of these issues from the six episode arcs are due to much greater things out of these writers' control. Like, um, you know, the micro rooms, like these writers that are basically being paid dirt to do like three weeks of work and kind of be booted out. And, you know, you know, luckily the WGA deal, um, it, at least it's hopefully circumventing a lot of that and making sure writers are being paid fairly and, they're um that they're being treated like human beings (laughs) and not commodities and and also ai like screw this idea of ai ai has no business in in creativity when, when it comes to actually writing stuff that that can feel you know when when you're dealing with human emotions you 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 watch something to not only be entertained by it, but to be connected to it. So it, there's no connection when it's written by an AI. Sure, they can handle all of the, the functional stuff. And you know, I don't doubt that. But what I seriously doubt is that it can have the mental capacity to, you know, to draw off of genuine emotion and uh, nuance that only humans possess and only humans can relate to. So I, I think it's ridiculous that we're even having this conversation. And I, I genuinely think that Secret Invasion using AI art 
in its opening credits is despicable, especially in the time period that it was released. Like, you think about how fucked up this is. <laughs> that during the strike, as people are talking about AI as replacing our jobs, D Disney is a perpetrator of scanning people to use them as AI actors. And what are we going to do? In the midst of the strike, we're going to release a show that has AI art. What are we doing? <laughs> what, what are we doing? So, like, I, I, I think this six-episode thing is going to die down. Um, because I, I think that we, as a fan base, have, have gotten to a point where we're, like, we've made fun of it enough to get them to notice that this isn't, this isn't working. So, uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll talk more about it. We'll see. Agatha, I feel like, will be a six-episode thing, and that'll be the last thing we get of that. Because, well, Echo is a five-episode thing also, but it's more like a special limited series type thing, so I don't think it's going to be more of a movie, or more like character vignette episode by episode, but, um, yeah. We'll know when we know. But uh, lastly, what's the fuss about Disney Plus? Oh, that rhymed. Oh. Oh. I like that. Like that, I did not. I did not, did not intend for that to rhyme. But what's the fuss about Disney Plus? Um, I mean, not much more to add here. Um, just overexposure. They need to dial it back. Give us maybe one show a year max, and not the streaming service. <sighs> not the streaming service with the worst title of all time. Um, yeah, let's get rid of HBO because that's why people watch it. So now we're going to say it's Max, the one to watch HBO. It's so stupid. Uh, why, why are all these streamers so dumb? Disney Plus too. Why is Disney Plus so dumb? Um, you have a library of content. A library of content to make people want to watch. And yet the main criticism is that there's nothing to watch on there and it's because the shows that are being made are just like being churned out for one specific reason is like consistent engagement and i really think bob chapek did a number on disney plus so um yeah marvel needs to pump the brakes on disney plus we figure out like what is it that we actually want on this platform um and what is it that will actually connect to a wider audience on when it comes to films and how can we you know take what we do in the films shift them into Disney Plus in a neat way that will still pull on a demographic of fans but if you don't if you don't watch it it's fine and i think that's what marvel spotlight is going to aim to do um, but yeah uh, if Daredevil is going to be a spotlight show, like make a lot more spotlight shows, but pace it out. Make it an event. Because Secret Invasion was supposed to be an event, and you know, I, I feel like all the circumstances were against that show, but it was also dog shit. So it's like it's not like um, it's not like Disney Plus was the exact like, you know, the Disney Plus influx of volume is the reason that that show did terribly. But it doesn't help. It doesn't help when, you know, for a few years, you're just churning out. Like, you got to watch this, and then you got to watch that. It's like it, you're, you're only just pummeling your fan base with stuff. And after a while, it just gets, it gets to be too much. But uh, moving on, um, I'm going to spin the wheel as we get into growth mode. So... Um, Let's start with uh, Disney's first openly gay character. Ah, this, this subject is so frustrating because it, it, the amount of times that Disney has said, oh, this character is our first openly gay character, does nothing with them. Um, first openly gay character does nothing with them. They look at a man a certain way, and you're supposed to be like, oh, he's gay. And... I just, I feel like, I feel like the Eternals did this so well. Uh, and I, I've spoken to friends about this too, is that 
um, for what the Eternals lacks in um, a coherent story, it really makes up for it with diversity. It really makes up for it with um, portrayal of of a gay character in a very tasteful, nuanced way that I I think actually, you know, paints a picture of a person rather than using sexuality to define a character through a line. And I think that's I think that's something Marvel is going to continue to struggle with. Um, you're seeing that with Loki. You saw it with Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. You saw it with uh, the Marvels. It's just like little things that they're doing to explain away um, sexual orientation. And I think they're doing it in such a like kind of slap in the face way that is teasing and queer baiting too much to the point where um, I, I think it's going to aggravate. It's going to aggravate people that are, you know, anti-gay always. It's, it's, it's of course going to anger them. They're, they're going to be the crowd that yells at it the most. And honestly, I'm not as concerned about that. I'm concerned about like someone that wants to see representation of themselves on the big screen. Like Marvel is probably the biggest screen that you can get. Um, and I think it's like a little insulting when the best represent representation that they can get is like a little aside. So yeah, I, it's, it's upsetting. It's upsetting and I hope it changes. I definitely hope it changes, but I, I don't have confidence in that. Um, hold on. I think I might need to charge my phone. Let's see. Uh, hold on. I will be right back. All right. I am stealing my wife's charger real quick. Um, don't judge me, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm stealing my wife's charger. Don't tell my wife. I'm going to put it right back where it was. Okay, okay. I think we're good. Oh, I didn't plug it in. Whoopsie. See, you guys are getting to hear what it's like to be me podcasting. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It, it paints a, a, a human portrait of me, doesn't it? But... <laughs> Okay, okay. I think I'm think I'm fully charged. Well, not fully charged, but you know. You know what I'm saying. I might cut this out. I might not. I don't think I will. I, I want to go to the effort of cutting out stuff. But uh yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh Yeah. Okay, part 4, Classic Marvel. Um, let me spin that wheel. Uh, <laughs> I need you to distract Kang. Uh, yeah, I, I love these memes. Uh, these memes are just hilarious. Like the one with Brendan Fraser as the whale. Um, genuinely one of the funniest things I've seen this year. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> if that's what Secret Wars ends up being, uh, you, you kind of lost a fan. Like... I don't get it. I don't get this idea that we need to cram in all these all these like contrived versions of um, of the Avengers and I, I get it. I get that Kevin Feige is trying to unite the whole thing and reboot the universe and we'll get to that but um, yeah, I just I don't think that it fully works from a structural point of view like how are you going to explain to an 82 year old man that saw avengers 10 years ago and he walks in and sees secret war he's like ah oh, hugh jackman and uh toby mcguire like what, what am i watching <laughs> what what is this and I, he'd be right to question it because it doesn't make any sense to a general viewer you know it, it barely makes sense to me and i am in the weeds like i am i am like 
I just got the Jonathan Hickman run of Secret Wars, and that's what they're going to base that on. Uh, I got it as a Christmas gift for my wife. So, uh, so thank you, wife, for that. It's a uh, it's a very nice gift, and I plan on reading it very soon. But uh, I guarantee that they're not going to adapt it the same way, and they're going to take a lot of liberties. And uh, I'm I'm concerned. I'm concerned about how that's actually going to come to pass because if they're going to bank on nostalgia. Um, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. And that brings me to the next peg in the wheel. Cameo here, cameo there, cameo, cameo everywhere. Um, yeah, that's, that's the problem with Marvel right now is that if, if I ask any of my friends right now, when it comes to Marvel, um, what do you think was happening in, in Multiverse of Madness when Patrick Stewart showed up? It'd probably be like, ah, I have no idea. And that's the problem is that all these faces are popping up from the X-Men. And don't get me wrong. I love the X-Men. My favorite cinematic franchise of all time. You know, as much as a lot of them suck, but a lot of them are good. Um, it's just, it's very upsetting when these characters are kind of being used as bargaining chips to get other people back online with the, the universe. It's like, yeah, you messed this up. But here's Patrick Stewart. Here's uh, Kelsey Grammer. And it's exciting, but also, like, I, I know when I'm being fed something that's intended for me to just, like, eat it up, you know? Like, and if I don't have to think too much about it, um, I, I start to kind of worry about, like, what that'll look like years from now. And that, like, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, the way that was handled was actually purposeful, the story. But the way Patrick Stewart was handled was not. Evan Peters was not. Um, now, at this point, you know, Kelsey Grammer also not. So it's, it's a slippery slope. And leads me to leads me to part five. Part five. Who the fuck are the Avengers now? Yep, I, I said it. I said it. Um... Oh, Captain, my captains is the first. Oh, I spun the wheel, by the way. Um, oh, Captains, my captains. Uh, yeah, Captain Marvel and Captain America right now are not being developed in any way for it to be an appealing lineup. Like, and first of all, the lineup is is barely there. It's it's what like little tangential relations between characters that are not being pulled together and. I think it's really starting to show the cracks of what the Avengers actually is defined as because it used to be very simple. Like, you had the original six. The original six are, um, you know, they're, they're great. You know, I, I don't think anything can touch the original six, and everybody knows that. But as you build and build, it, it, I think Endgame is like the gift and the curse kind of thing where... You have all the Avengers assembling. Cap does the whole Avengers assemble, blah, 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 all that. And um, everybody fights, and it's awesome. And you get to see everybody on the same team finally working together. It's just like a comic panel brought to life. But like, what happens after? Do all of them say, like, well... I gotta go this, you know, this way. I gotta go that way and go back to this planet. But we're still, we're still on for next week's Avengers call. Like we're gonna have an Avengers Zoom. We can, uh, <laughs> we can talk about our problems and see what avenging we need to do, or prevenging in this case, because they're trying to stop threats, not avenge them. But uh, it's just it's gotten so out of hand, and a Secret Wars is gonna be really messy. And yeah, I. I spun the wheel again. Um, young Avengers. If they're young, then I'm still 20. <laughs> you know, it's so... like Haley Steinfeld is going to be 30 by the time this movie comes out. Or series, because they're probably going to make it a Disney Plus show, because I don't think anybody's going to watch it. Um, you know, Iman Vellani. I, I love Iman Vellani as Ms. Marvel. She is so terrific. I actually... I love Haley Steinfeld as... Um, as uh, Kate Bishop, she's fantastic too. And you know, Ant Man's daughter is is Ant Man's daughter. She's yeah, she's 
not great, uh, really wooden performance and not great. Um, so that's, that's what we have to look forward to. We got three of them so far. Probably going to get Kid Loki. Um, maybe get the Wiccan and Speed from uh, WandaVision. And that kid from Falcon and Warrior Soldier. Um, that, that kid in the comics that's supposed to be Kang as well. Um, none of it sounds appealing. It, it sounds annoying, honestly. And if, they'll probably have White Vision be the leader of the team, which also sounds pretty terrible. So I, I don't think any of this sounds appealing at all. And, and it's, so, it's so much in development hell that I, I'd say, I'd venture to say that doesn't even get made. Um, that they're teasing it, but they're teasing that they'll team up maybe in another Avengers movie. Don't have to do it a young uh, young Avengers. I, I think I think we're getting to a point where it's just gonna be stupid. So, but I you know not to be reductive because I know I'm being reductive right now, but it, it just doesn't sound like a good idea for Marvel. And I, I think it plays into that that other aspect of why Marvel is declining is this just doing stories that don't matter. Like I don't need an Agatha show just because. Catherine Hahn had that one sh that one song that was like so popular. I I love Catherine Hahn. She's great. I'm rewatching Parks and Rec right now, and she's got a guest spot in it. It's fantastic. She's so good. Do I need a show? No, I don't. I don't. But that's that's the state we're in. That Marvel's gonna have to make these really big decisions. And um, yeah, but last but not least, we got. Um, Familiar faces, new names, familiar names, new faces. Um, part six of six. So the topic wheel. We, uh, we'll start with Ryan Gosling is hot, but he could, could get hotter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I said I'd be talking about Gosling, and here I am. Um, Ghost Rider. Gosling. Gosling Rider. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it works. It's going to catch on. I, th I think it's going to catch on. Maybe not. Probably not. But, um, yeah, the, the, he's being tapped to play Ghost Rider, which is like an unofficial rumor, but he's been saying that he would like to play Ghost Rider too, so his enthusiasm is pretty high. And when you have a guy that is as big as uh, Ryan Gosling, um, and he's enthusiastic about being in your universe, like you take that chance. Um, because Marvel, Marvel's not really pulling in the big names right now. Um, they're kind of like driving away big names um, because of the quality control. It's not in a great place. So the fact that Gosling is so interested, it, it makes me think like they, they could get him to be like the center of a new rebooted universe as Ghost Rider. You know, they could use his cred and, you know, get people back in seats after Secret Wars and have him just be, you know, one of the big bargaining chips to get you back in, in the theaters. But, um, but honestly, that brings me to the next peg of the wheel, which is uh, RDJ Jr. Uh, yeah, I, I want to talk about reboots. Um, Secret Wars, it, it's going to reset everything. Um, like kind of like a New 52 thing like that DC did in the comics or kind of like what Secret Wars actually did in the comics, which is just like, you know, unify all the universes, bring it all into one central timeline where all these characters can exist. And Marvel can really do that. Um, they just got to recast. They got to recast all the big heavy hitters with young actors that like have no cred yet. Do like just seek out the new talent. Because I think Marvel's gotten to a point where their casting is really like not in a good place. Um, they're kind of doing stunt casting a lot more, and I, I'm guessing that that's not Sarah Halle Finn. That's like a lot more top-down led decisions. Where you know, Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac's a great casting for Moon Knight. I think he's too big for the role. I think he's like astronomical in, in com compared to the role. He's so much bigger. Um, like Ethan Hawke was also way too big for Arthur Harrow. Um, and I'm not saying that they did a bad job. I think they had, actually did an amazing job. It's just the material was not good enough 
to justify their appearance. Um, and that's where, that's where I'm a little conflicted on Fantastic Four because, you know, um, next peg in the wheel is uh, Dr. Doctor Doom, more like Dr. Boom. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Killian Murphy is being discussed as a potential Dr. Doom with uh, Pedro Pascal and Vanessa Kirby, uh, even Moss Backrack and um, uh, Joseph Quinn, all as the Fantastic Four. And I, I'm ambivalent a little bit. Like I'm, I'm, no, I'm ambivalent's the wrong word. I'd say I'm cautiously optimistic because I think Killian Murphy would do a, an amazing job. And you need the big name for Doctor Doom. You need the big name for Reed Richards. And Pedro Pascal is a huge name right now. Um, I'm just not. I'm not entirely sure that he'd be the right pick. Um, you know, I, I saw on one of the, the YouTube channels that I follow that uh, someone had just suggested that William Jackson Harper would make a great read, and I, I, that's that's who I would love to see is William Jackson Harper from The Good Place. But he's already already been used in Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, and you probably don't even remember who he was because it was that quick. Um, and you've probably only see, seen that movie once. I've only seen it once, and it's it's fine. It's <laughs> the worst use of William Jackson Harper's talents, and he could have been Reed Richards. So it, I think that just speaks to the overall um, casting issue that we're dealing with. It, it's 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 not it's not a dire situation. You know, we we've seen Marvel be in worse positions before. Um, I think when the creative committee was in place, um, you know, when it came to them actually having operational control over, over the brand, um, Kevin Feige had a lot more hills they needed to climb. I think right now it's a very tender period, like very, very, uh, um, very fragile period, I'd say. But I don't think it's like to the point where Marvel is dead. I think box office, that'll come back. That's going to ebb and flow. And sure, it's the worst compared to the Thor of the Dark World and like Incredible Hulk. Like when you're adjusting for inflation, yeah, this Mar the Marvels is the worst. But that's just because of the conversation. And I think overall, the conversation, we're just going to see an uptick in good press because they're going to just start doing those little things to surgically fix what's going on. And once we see that happen, um, it, the overall universe will be in a much better place. So that's, uh, yeah, that's the episode guys. That's the episode. I'm going to, uh, I got a couple more things I want to do right now. Um, so before, before we go, I got my line delivery of the week. So um, let's see. Just got to pull it up. I got YouTube up here. All right. So line, I, I figured it'd be nice to get some line deliveries in here that, that, we, uh, that I find to be funny. And I'll just play them for you if you haven't heard them before. And uh, yeah. So my line delivery this week is uh, um, Joaquin Phoenix and Napoleon. Um, here, take a take a listen, if you will. There it is. Does that work? Okay, almost there. You think you're so great because you have both. <laughs> This elite line delivery, uh, <laughs> that one's been making the rounds on Twitter recently. The, yeah, the, you're so great because you have boats. I recently thought that Napoleon did have boats because of that line, because I am uneducated about Napoleon. I was playing a Codenames uh, game for New Year's Eve, and... Um, to to get people uh to, to get my teammates to get the right answer the two cards that i picked 
were um, were ships and um, forget the other thing. It was a ruler, ruler, ships and ruler. And I said, Napoleon. And my wife turned to me. She's like, you, you didn't pick ships because you think Napoleon had boats, right? And I'm like, he didn't have boats? <laughs> and uh, she's like, I literally didn't know that until right now either. So <laughs> at least I wasn't the only one. She shared in my, my lack of Napoleon knowledge. So um, but yeah, that's my line delivery of the week. Um, uh, last thing, a few wrecks and a couple skips. Uh, wrecks. Percy Jackson in the... Uh, the uh, oh my God. Try saying Olympians five times fast. Jeez. <laughs> it's like I'm so quick to wrap this up that I'm like tripping over my own words. Uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Um, yeah, so you guys remember when children's fantasy action shows and movies like used to be fun? Uh, this is that. This is the first one of those in a long time. I highly recommend. Um, actually, gets the book right, and it helps that Rick Riordan is one of the writers and creators on the show. So, um, yeah, highly recommend. Uh, Reacher is uh, another wreck I have. Uh, I told a friend recently that Reacher is basically if Dad Rock was a spy show, and I mean that in the most flattering way. Like it's it's fantastic. Uh, it's he's the smartest guy in the world in the show, and it really works because you know, Alan Richson, he you know Fat Castle himself, he is uh, he's just great to watch, and he's massive dude like huge dude like could knock me out with one slap to the face um and that helps when you're doing a lot of action scenes so highly recommend that um the holdovers um one of the best christmas movies ever made um definitely going to be in my top five this year um paul giamatti coming for that oscar so uh we'll um we we'd love to we'd love to see Killian Murphy win, obviously we'd love to see that, but I don't know. I'm saying right now, I'm calling it. You can come back to this podcast and you can prove me wrong when the Oscars happen. But I'm saying Paul Giamatti takes takes home that Oscar. Um, amazing movie, amazing movie. Uh, I laughed as much as I sobbed. Um, beautifully done. Uh, definitely Alexander Payne's best movie in quite some time. Probably his best since the that Clooney movie did, uh, 2010's, uh, what's that called? Uh, the, the Descendants, The Descendants. I highly recommend that one too. Um, but yeah, now on to my skips. My skips, last thing, last thing. Uh, then I'll let you go, then you'll be dismissed. Man, I'm over an hour? I talk way too much. Oh my God. You know, it, it's, it's fine, it's fine. It's my brand. My brand is I talk too much about this stuff, that I shouldn't be self-conscious about it. Um, yeah, Rebel Moon, part one, A Child of Fire. Good lord. <laughs> I know they're going to do a Snyder cut of this because it's part of the whole marketing tactic, and I think that's stupid, and it sucks, and it's uh, honestly very reductive to the medium by saying, oh, well, uh, people are going to want to watch their director's cuts. So let's put out a dog shit theatrical cut of it and then put it on Netflix. Don't even put it in theaters. Um yeah, you guys, uh, you guys ever want a space epic that's just incomprehensible? Uh, even though the plot is just essentially ninety minutes of exposition, that's what the studio cut of Zack Snyder's version of Star Wars is. It's it's border, borderline unwatchable. Um, got Charlie Hunnam though, so you like you like Charlie Hunnam? He's good in it, he, or he's he's fine. You know, he does the best he can. The script is awful. Um, if you just turn off the sound and watch the action scenes, it's probably decent, but yeah, it, it's, it's the worst movie I've ever seen Zack Snyder do. Um, and that includes sucker punch and that sucks. So, um, yeah, that, <laughs> it, it takes a lot for me to dislike a movie and it takes a lot for me to absolutely despise a movie. And I, I despise this. Movie. I did not like it at all. Um, speaking of disliking, the Crown season six. <laughs> uh, when did the show become so boring? Um, it's like it, it used to be like this tense, claustrophobic depiction of the monarchy and like their apathy. 
and it's now just like very small minded. It's like a melodramatic tour through tabloids that we already know about that. Like we've been accustomed to like, that this is what the monarchy is in our information age. Um, I, I find it so uninteresting. Um, and it's kind of been declining that way. Like season five was fine. Uh, but like season four was genuinely one of the best seasons of TV I've seen in the last like five years. And it kind of like, it's just a nosedive in its uh, commentary. It's, um, it's plotting. Uh, some of the acting is actually really bad. Uh, Amelda Staunton is the, is the queen. Um, you know, Dolores Umbridge, and she's giving so much more in Del Dolores Umbridge, uh, like in that performance than this. Like she's just sleepwalking through this version of the queen. And I, I get it. I get that she's old. You know, she's like a million years old in, you know, season six. And it's like, there's not much you can, you can do. Um, also, the queen mother is still alive in season six. I keep on saying to my wife, I'm like, how is she still alive? She's got to be like 99. Like these Elizabethan women, like, or whatever, you know, whatever they are in this family, the Windsor family, uh, they live long. That's, that's a long, think about that, 99 years. That is a long, long time. And then you're still dropping one-liners. Like it's, you know, the, the Queen Mother has like these one-liners that um, I don't think they intend for it to be funny, but I just keep laughing because every time she speaks, I'm just like, how in the, the world was she still alive in 1999? How? Um, it's just, uh, it's bad. It's the, the biggest decline I've seen on a TV show, like I think ever. Um, but you know, at least, at least the, the Diana depiction is, you know, they milk the shit out of that too. I, I didn't like that. Uh, it's just overbearing in it's, in it's like overwhelming sincerity that just is like, I'm not sure what it's trying to say about the monarchy. I don't get it anymore. I think it lost its way quite a bit, but Hey, Dominic West. Dominic West's Charles, fantastic. Emmy-worthy performance. Only good thing this season. Um, but yeah, um, that's that's all I got for you guys. I, yeah, I, I did it. First podcast ever. I'm, I'm excited. I'm pumped. We did it. We did the thing. I said that at the beginning, but I'm going to say it again, you know? It's a, like a little loop. Like Loki. You know, but the whole story is a loop. But, uh, but yeah. That is John Dudley Speaks. Next time, I'll be talking about Nathan Fielder, so stick with me uh, as we go on this journey together. Peace out. Stay tuned on Substack, too, and on YouTube. And just, you know, every now and then, just you know, feel free to shoot me a DM or email or whatever. Yeah, I'm happy to cover whatever you guys are, are, are uh, thinking about, so... Uh, yeah, until next time, I don't know how to end these. <laughs>